Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of Grow With Soul. Today is a coaching episode with Emmeline Bramble, a visual and verbal apothecary who helps women in business unearth their intuitive purpose and create their visual and verbal branding. Emmeline and I are very aligned when it comes to the importance of purpose and intuition in business, so I really enjoyed having this conversation with her. We talk about how she came to find her own purpose and then dive into communicating that purpose through the offerings that you design, the copy you write. And we also dig into how to include your personal story in a resonant way, how to launch new service offerings and the mentality of starting something new. All juicy stuff. So let's dive in. Hi, Emmeline. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. So I'm really excited to speak today because I think we've got like loads of juicy, purposey <laughs> things to talk about. But before we dive into those, it'd be great to get a bit of context about what you do and your background and the inspiration behind your business and all those lovely juicy things. <laughs> Absolutely. Loaded question. <laughs> so I define myself as a verbal and visual apothecary, which is a term that I coined out of another term I actually stumbled upon while I was setting up my business, which is referred to as the cunning folk. Mm -hmm. And it's this term that historians and folklorists actually coined, and I've adapted it, but it was coined to describe the phenomenon of folk healers that you see in a number of European communities throughout the 15th all the way up into the 20th centuries. And so I was reading about these stories and this term, and it really resonated with me as a term that could accurately capture the audience that I was trying to reach. And I'd been having a lot of trouble defining it. And so it was kind of a godsend. But basically, what resonated with me was the fact that they had tried to create an umbrella term to describe this phenomena of wise individuals, particularly women, who were seen in local communities to be acting as healers. And and this was very rare for these time periods in history where women often didn't have any sort of access to power in this way. And yet they would often receive very, sometimes national acclaim for the work they were doing despite persecution and attempts to the contrary. And so I think that that resonated with me and also speaks to the same amount of tenacity, let's say, that individuals today who are looking to follow their intuition in order to set up creative work and businesses that really speak to them on a deeply intuitive level have to have in order to do that. And those are the people I want to help. And so, hence, I had to come up with a term that would speak to those types of people. And I thought, okay, what would a folk healer in the modern day need? And an apothecary came to mind and the idea of a place where you could go to receive perhaps guidance or some instruments for your practice. And so 
on a practical level and less metaphorical, that looks like I often do both design services and copywriting and editing, as well as mentorship programs to help dig into the intuitive and purpose-driven side of a business and cultivate it into a brand that really resonates both with you and the story you're trying to tell. Mm. What a perfectly wrapped up little (laughs) (laughs) elevator pitch you've got there. (laughs) It's a little long-winded. I need to figure out how to pair it down. (laughs) No, I really like it. And I think, I mean, I'm a sucker for an extended metaphor anyway, but I really love the way that you have wrapped up your business and I mean, it's the perfect example, more or less, of having a really strong purpose on what you stand for and a really good, solid knowledge of your audience and putting them together to, in a way, because your services aren't, you know, they're, they're nothing new. There's, there's copywriters you can hire out there, but you've packaged it in a way that is so different from anything you see elsewhere and that really is so joined up with what you stand for and who you do it for. Gosh, thank you. (laughs) That was the goal. I honestly, it just, I think, takes so much of the pressure off once you realize you don't have to speak to everybody, you just have Mm. to speak to your people. Yeah, yeah, that's so true that, yes, not everybody is going to self-identify as being cunning folk. (laughs) And it's an easy way to then, you know, sort of send those people on their way to find who they need. Yeah. So is this, I I wanted to dig into it a little bit with you before we get into kind of the main thrust of what we're going to talk about, because you touched on a minute ago about values and purpose and intuition and things. And it always seems to me, especially with the people that I speak to on the podcast, you're definitely somebody for whom you have a lot of clarity around that kind of purpose and values work. So I thought it'd be maybe valuable for other people to hear about how you got to that place. I mean, have you always had that kind of value set and that sense of purpose or was it a bit of work to get to that point? Oh gosh well first of all thank you. I think that kind of both. I I think on the one hand I've been someone who's always loved the idea of being an individual and who has naturally gravitated towards developing a set of personal ethics over you know cultural ones and, and always trying to hold things up in any walk of life, you know, whether that be a dietary habit or a wardrobe goal or whatever it is, and see what sits well with me. But I think that it took me a long time from a business perspective to realize that at the end of the day, it really is just as simple as every other decision. It's learning to listen to what resonates with you on an intuitive level and and cutting out all the noise of everything else in order to get to that, which is so much easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. And a little bit chicken and egg, I think, as well, because if you're not connected to your intuition, it's hard to start that connection and you're listening to the other people and then that affects what you think your intuition is telling you. So it's, it is a, a very tricky thing to navigate, but I think on the whole kind of ironic that I'm saying this on a podcast but on the whole I think people do tend to listen to other things too much and that really the only thing you should learn to listen to is yourself and then use other people to kind of either justify it to yourself or give yourself a bit of permission to go and do it but it it all comes from you that's exactly it and I and I think it's a certain skill set that's developed in order to be able to do that to 
in order to be able to absorb, you know, outside information and use it as sort of a mirror to see what resonates with you and what doesn't. Because it's so easy to be swayed if you don't hold it up to your internal compass, you know? Mm. I'm sure we're going to talk way more about this <laughs> as we go through but so taking that very strong kind of identity you've got in terms of your purpose and or the work that you want to be doing I know that where you're maybe finding a bit of a disconnect is then going from that place over to communicating it and both in terms of literally your web copy but also in terms of the services and offerings that you provide so yeah, where should we start with that? Where should we start with talking a little bit about your offerings and then how to communicate them? Gosh, yeah, I think that for me, it's so easy to have something on paper of what you want to do, like the big term goal. And maybe mm. for me, I'm more of a big picture in this sense. But I just love to hear yeah, your perspective on translating that in a digestible format that you don't get so bogged down in the details or in the purpose that it's distracting from what the actual practical service is, but -hmm. that there's also enough of the purpose woven into it to be impactful. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, (laughs) I don't want to overuse the word purpose too much, but there's almost like two different types of purpose you need when you're thinking about the offering side of things, because you've got your big kind of brand slash personal purpose, which is, why you're doing this whole thing anyway but then each individual offering needs to have its own it needs to have a point and they all need to join up together so rather than just coming up with an offering because it sounds good or it's really really linked to your main purpose if that individual offering doesn't have a purpose in terms of like who it's for or where it sits in the rest of what you offer it's gonna fall down because it's it's not got its own kind of direction. It's just kind of there as as this little bit of proof that you, you're walking your talk, but it's not actually doing anything from a business point of view. So it's kind of really joining up the more, what some might call the more woo aspects of what you stand for with actually the kind of hard making money business aspects of it as well. Yeah. So what, well, maybe it'd be useful actually to give an example from my own business, because that was something that that I found was with my group coaching program, that it was very, very linked to my purpose about helping people to grow a soul and (laughs) to set up a business that give them freedom and take their idea and run with it and be really purposeful. But the way that it turned out if the point of it was to help people who were right at the beginning of their journey, it was actually a bit too intense in terms of the time people would have to put into it and a bit too expensive for people who are just starting out who don't have a lot of spare money to be spending on this little burgeoning business. So that's where the purpose of the offering got lost within the bigger purpose of the business. So what I'm doing now is I'm shifting that into being a more entry-level e-course which is going to be much more accessible for people because then it's going to fulfill its purpose as an offering as well as fulfilling the purpose of the business so that makes sense (laughs) oh my gosh yeah no and that's really clever and it actually it, it speaks to something I've been struggling with which is the same thing of similarly people are often a lot of the incoming inquiries I'm getting from potential clients are people who are at the start of their journey 
Mm-hmm. And so they are looking for branding assistance, particularly design assistance, but because they're in such the beginning stages of planning, they don't have like the financial resource yet to be able to afford that service. And so, and, and then I always <laughs> have a lot of guilt around <laughs> yeah. of, of not being sure how to navigate, you know, making sure that I'm charging enough to sustain my business, but still that it's affordable enough for the right people. And so I actually just a few weeks ago developed a business plan, which was honestly the product of needing it myself. And it was purely a personal project to begin with. Mm -hmm. But then I realized, okay, wait, this is a lot of the questions people have been writing to me about. This might be useful. And so I've been trying to kind of guide people more towards that at the beginning and, and thinking about sort of realigning my design services to the clients who are a bit further down the road because mm-hmm. I've been recently doing more projects which are specific to say like a writing retreat workbook is something I'm working on right now or a book launch poster and that sort of thing where it's it's a one-off that I can come in and help align the vision of the overall business with a specific product or item but it's not starting from ground zero when maybe there is still a lot to be figured out Mm -hmm. does that make sense Mm. yeah it does it's a really tricky thing that balance of accessibility versus doing the work you want to do and getting rightfully paid for the work that you're doing and not kind of devaluing yourself in the process so you've kind of come to a similar but different compromise as I have which is to slightly shift the audience so to understand that actually the best kind of junction of your work of in terms of the work that fills you up and the work that gets you paid is with people who are maybe reevaluating their brand but they're already in it and it's not brand new big scary investment for them and then to rethink what you can do for those people who are at the beginning, if that is still a place that you feel you want to add value, but just to do it on a more accessible level. That's exactly it. And I and I have recently been getting a lot of inquiries about particularly like coaching calls where it's more, you know, face to face conversation. And I'm I'm trying to build out these services that I'm planning on launching mid-spring that are more targeted that they they can speak to that audience of people who are at the very beginning of their journey and help them dive into what they want their brand to accomplish and maybe the things they need to be thinking about to get there but isn't such a big investment then that it's overwhelming for Mm -hmm. starting out because when you're starting out there are a million things to think about and so to put so much time and so much of an investment into one section of it while I'd argue it's an important section, can also, I don't want it to have accidentally the opposite effect of being discouraging. Mm. Well, how do you feel about doing the coaching calls and the new services and things? Because this is, again, another area where it's tricky to get the balance right. Whereas, yes, if you've got an audience there and they're asking for something, then that feels like a pretty quick win. But then 
what we so often do is forget to factor in our own fulfillment within that and then we can end up going down a road <laughs> doing these cut this work that actually we're like oh I hate this <laughs> <laughs> yeah I actually had a long like journaling session precisely about that mm-hmm. because I was like this is slightly off of where I was originally planning on going with my business and I was worried I was taking it in the wrong direction but I re- realized actually I was feeling more of a misalignment with So normally, at least in my experience and exposure to this, I've been doing graphic design for quite a few years now. And one of the very hand-in-hand skill sets that comes with that is web design. Mm -hmm. And so originally when I was starting my business, I figured that's where I'd expand into. I'd start off with brand design and graphic design and move into then web development and web design. And I recently took on a few projects, which went well, and they were lovely, and I enjoyed the process, but I realized it just wasn't me. And so the aspect of the brand journey that I was enjoying the most was actually, I have an introductory call at the beginning of the process that's like a 45-minute face-to-face where we Mm -hmm. dive into the vision for the brand and the ethics behind and values behind the business itself. And that process of taking things and and (laughs) introducing all the extended metaphors Mm -hmm. and visual metaphors and things like that is, I think, where I feel most at home. And so I'm really excited about the prospect of actually focusing more on being able to give this face-to-face time and like conversational side. Mm -hmm. But I do struggle with feeling underqualified because it's not something that you can hold up and say, oh, I have a degree in coach you know (laughs) whereas I do have a degree in design and so that feels like a safety net in some way yeah I'm gonna come back to that because that's such a big one but I think that what you've done I mean what you've done is the most you can do to safeguard yourself in terms of looking at the work you currently do and identifying and pinpointing the specific elements that you enjoy and that fill you up and and kind of using that and obviously you can't know until you've got a, a load of calls in your pocket whether actually that is that whether you like doing it that much but I think you've done as much as you can at that point and I think it's also important to think about who you want to be for people because actually if you were to think about that and be like I want to be the one who does the design work then that might not have been resonant as much whereas if you think I want to be the one who can help them come up with the ideas well then that fits a little bit easier so that's just another kind of way into thinking about it but in terms of like (laughs) the imposter syndrome stuff that's very natural and I always think that as long as you don't promise to be anything that you're not that's the main thing so you're not promising to be able to coach them in the way a trained coach would where it's all about kind of helping them come to the answers it's much more of a almost consultative process where it's just because you happen to be on a call and you're kind of helping them come up with ideas it's it's a lot more kind of practical and more mentoring so if the title coaching feels off to you then you can always call it mentoring and that's something that I've always done when I've started working with people is I've always been very clear that the process isn't a coachy process it's one about we'll have conversations about business and I'll throw some ideas in and you can ask me some things and so it's not it's really setting that expectation right from the beginning of it's not this it is that you know yeah 
That's okay. It's so funny. It's, I currently have it on my site as mentorship. Yeah. <laughs> For exactly that reason. So that's really good to hear. And I, and I do love the idea of making sure you are setting the right expectations and then being able to fulfill them. Yeah. And, and that's such a key thing. And what you can almost do is on your kind of sales page is literally bullet point it out of this is what this is. This is not what this is. And I've done that in courses and things as well to say that if you are expecting to, I don't know, have a whole load of technical know-how by the end of it, that's not what's going to happen because this course is, I'm not going to teach you how to code. But to be very specific about things like that so that people can go in really informed and again, like you do with your whole purpose and your the whole way you communicate generally, allow them to self-select because you can trust people to know what's right for them and what isn't. Yeah. You know, so I'd actually be curious to hear your thoughts on this. I've seen some people are introducing this application side of things where instead of writing an inquiry for potential work, you have to apply to be a client. Mm. And I, I'd love to know what you think about that. Yeah, I think... Um, unless, you know, you're getting so many inquiries, you need a way to sift through them. I don't know, the application thing feels like a bit of an ego trip. (laughs) Okay, that's how I feel. And I don't want to say that or discourage anyone who feels like that's what they need to do. And maybe this is the imposter syndrome, but like, I don't feel like people should have to apply to (laughs) to work with me. Like, I mean, and especially when you're starting out with a new service or a new offering, you want to remove as many barriers to somebody getting in touch with you as possible. And having this form that feels really like a commitment and it's just feels like a barrier to entry. I mean, like I said, if you're getting loads of different inquiries or you've got a very specific set of circumstances that somebody needs to fulfill in order to work with you then an application form might be something that works but for me it just feels yeah like a barrier to entry and as this is something new that you're starting out what you don't want to do is be putting up barriers and especially when I think with your mentoring it's for people who are starting out a little bit more those barriers feel a lot bigger anyway like even just saying out loud, I'm going to be mentored for my business, and which isn't even a business, I don't even really Having to go through an application form process to kind of justify yourself to somebody is going to be like a huge mental block for people, I think. Well, I just think on my end of things, I could never, ever send a rejection letter. Like yes. that's just not <laughs> something I could feasibly do. I would never feel comfortable doing that. Mm. But I'm so glad to hear that because I've been seeing them pop up all over the place. And I was like, is this something I'm completely misinterpreting? Mm. It's, it's that intuition again as well you know if you don't feel like it's going to help your process your back kind of back end process then there's no reason for you to do it <laughs> doesn't matter if other people are doing it no yeah so let's talk a little bit about communicating the offerings and launch strategies and stuff I know or something because you've been working on these new offerings and things like that so how far have you got with it do you've just kind of developed them but they're kind of quietly, <laughs> quietly yeah. in the background <laughs> I d- so and this is so my mo um I, it's a miracle I've had consistent clients since starting my business because I am terrible with launching like I just sort of quietly update my website and then don't say anything anywhere mm-hmm. else and that's that's where I'm at like I've done all the coding aspects and the adding pages to my website and, and the information is there and written and I have 
my plans on my side of things and like documents in place that I'll be using and like I know what it's going to look like and what the process will be but I think a few things I have the web copy done and up but I think I'm concerned that it's not enough or it's too much like I, I am worried about the happy medium of of having an explanatory enough page that people feel like they know what they're looking at before writing but it's not so much information that it's overwhelming or deterring in some way and then I have currently very little plans in place from the launch side of (laughs) how to tell people about this how to introduce it and where to talk about it Mm. okay so in terms of the main sales page I mean it's such so again this is going to be the word of the podcast balance that yes you want to make sure that everybody actually reads all the words on the page because <laughs> otherwise it's just a waste of time and it's overwhelming for them and I mean I've received sales emails where I've ha- scrolled so many times and what I think a lot of people do and certainly when I've helped people with their sales pages is that when we're writing our own we want to really labor the point because we really want people to get it but actually they do get it. (laughs) And we quite often will go with three paragraphs when three sentences will do. And actually by making it longer and longer and longer, you deaden the impact. Because if you've got that one really beautiful, impactful sentence that makes people really sit up and think, but then it's buried in within all this fluff of a paragraph, you completely lose that wow moment for people, that aha moment. So I think that to a less is more approach can be very useful. Having said that, of course, you want there to be enough for people to understand what they're going to get. And especially in terms of service offerings and things like that, but also with products too, is that for me, the role of a sales page is to answer every question that they might have that's holding them back from booking. So to be really thinking about that and You can do that very literally with like a FAQ section or some bullet points or just to bring up things like if you feel you don't deserve this or if you can't justify it or how do you know it's right for you or those little questions that people might be thinking as excuses not to do something to confront those even before they've maybe even thought of them is what a sales page can do so by the time they get to the end they've not really got any excuses other than they just need to think about it for a little bit more so I think that's a key thing so just reading through you've got a good like a couple of paragraphs to kind of set the scene you've got a this is for you if which is always a really great section because it's that self-selecting thing where people can either be like, oh my God, that is exactly me. (laughs) Or they can be like, "Mm, I'm not really any of those things. You've got some topics to cover and you've got the very specifics of what it includes. Something that I like to do actually on a sales page, which you might like to think about is very often we go into things with like, what are we selling? You know, you've got the one hour calls and the email support and this and that but actually people aren't buying that they're buying how they're going to feel at the end of it and what they're going to have at the end of it so to add in some things like what you can expect to feel at the end and it might be increased confidence in talking about your brand having copy you can stand behind not having to worry that you've been 
making it up as you're going along, confidence in what you've got, all those different things. So thinking about how people are going to want to feel at the end and bringing those into the sales page as well so they can see, oh, here's how I feel now, but I can see how through this process I can get to that point I want to get to. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, And I think that that's so true because that's, that's where the value lies. Mm. Yeah. And and for us as makers, well, creators of things, we think, oh, I'm going to add in this Q&A or I'm going to add in this extra call. But actually, that doesn't matter as much to people. They're the box ticking exercise right as they're trying to make a decision. The thing that's going to make the actual decision in that kind of limbic system of their brain is, is this going to make me feel the way that I want to feel? Right. Oh, that's so true. And, and, I, and I think that that's maybe where I'm struggling to get that point across. I also tend not to be snappy. I'm much more of the long-winded variety. <laughs> so I'm really working on paring it down. But I'm also a like voracious reader myself. So I love extra details and I love like long-winded paragraphs, which is why I struggle with a lot of the advice out there is read your website as if you were an audience member reading it for the first time. Mm-hmm. But I always walk away feeling like there's not enough information, like I, I would be unclear. And I know that that is a personal bias that most people would not feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want it to still feel like you. If that's how you talk and how you communicate, like definitely put it in, but maybe rather than having in six fluffy, beautiful sentences, there's like two. (laughs) And you do have to be a little bit conscious of online reading. So people are likely on their phone. There's only so many scrolls, and but formatting can do a world of wonders if you've got really short paragraphs that you're using it with. And I think as well to pull out things. So if you've got a sentence that is like your favourite one that feels so beautiful and feels really representative and what people need to know, just pulling it out in bold or in a different format um, can be really helpful. But yeah, so I think formatting can go a long way and it's, yes, yeah, sounding like you, but also getting the point across so yeah and and that is a little bit of trial and error and so putting something down leaving it for a bit and then coming back to it that's always helpful because as I say it's much harder to kill off those beautiful sentences when you've just written them whereas if you come back to it a week later you can be like that is a really lovely sentence but it's not actually doing a job for me here have you heard the phrase killing your darling yes (laughs) All I can think about. And I struggle with it so much. Like, I'm aware that it's the problem, but... But I think as well, something that Hummer talked about, I did a podcast episode with, which I'll link in the show notes for anybody listening, about writing creatively. She keeps a document of beautiful words. So she has, like, a Google Doc where anything that she's cut out of something that she can't use somewhere she just puts it in this document so it's not lost forever they're kept there Um, and anytime she wants some inspiration or to dip into those things she can go through her beautiful words and use them somewhere else that's really smart I tend to like write things out ahead of time like general you know my value system or the purpose or the narrative of the brand which might not ever make it into the website itself but just having it somewhere that I can reference it and remind myself of what the mission is, what the vision is before I write something also can help me pare it down or summarize it better. Mm. I think that be that's really useful for this kind of exercise as well is to think about what is the point of this page 
and to kind of lose lose your own kind of for want of a better word ego out of it and what and you wanting to like put all this beautiful flowery language in there but does that serve the purpose of this page am i setting this page up to work as best as it can or am i setting it up to not be as effective as possible and so to come at it with that of like the point of this page is to explain to people and help them see how i can help them and make sure that everything kind of lives up to that benchmark that's yeah and that's something I've been really working on trying to hone in is explain like speak directly to who it is I'm helping what I'm doing and how I think where I struggle with that is actually in like the about sections and stuff writing about myself it always feels self-indulgent to me Mm. but I have noticed that a lot of times when I get responses to my newsletter or just like emails from the blog that just say oh I really enjoyed this or whatever they're always in response to a personal note or like a maybe a more vulnerable story or a more specific detail about my actual self Mm. and so I'm like trying to also find the balance of weaving those things in so there is that personable side of things but that it's not completely conceited or (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean it's always going to feel more self-indulgent to you than it does to anybody else and it's really good that people are invested in you like that because they're invested in you not just what you do if they're only if they only want what you need then you're always going to be in a race to the bottom in terms of like pricing and offerings and all that kind of thing if they're actually invested in you and they care about you then you're in a better situation because that's where their loyalty is and they're obviously enjoying seeing things from you and I think a way to think about it is to use your story as an example of a greater truth Mm. that's what I always try to do is like this is how this is showing up very specifically for me and how therefore it might be reflected in your experience I think there's a James Joyce quote which is something like in the peculiar lies the familiar or something or the universal and the peculiar lies the universal probably bastardized that but it's something like that where the very very specifics of a situation is what shows its universality so that's probably why people are really responding to your personal stories because they are reading something of their own into that and so in that way it's not even really about you it's just using your story to help them find theirs and that to kind of think of it like that of you're almost holding up a mirror for them to be able to see themselves and it's not about you it's about them and what they're seeing gosh I love that and I I have to say I think that's something you do so well and I know you were the one who actually introduced me to the idea of taking photography in a way that invites the viewer into the space as though they were in it instead of just taking shots that are of your like self-portraity in the sense that like mm. this is what I'm doing right now but more so creating a space where you can for a moment escape into it as though you are there and I I think you also do such a good job of introducing and weaving in like your personal story and your background into starting the business and I know that's something that I think about your brand really speaks to me but I also know I struggle with like figuring out how to include sort of to lead up to business without it being over explanatory oh so how to include kind of your origin story (laughs) exactly yeah yeah. well and and do you even need I mean you do yours so beautifully but I I also recognize that not everyone's going to have an origin story that is 
yeah <laughs> super like <laughs> really boxed up and really easy to reel off yeah because yeah, I know mine's very like well and then this happened and then this happened and then like <laughs> and it's a lot of like bureaucratic immigration hoops that like I don't want to read about like it's so draining like okay well that's not really something people need to sit through you know yeah I think um well a it's like practice because I've done like a lot of podcast interviews where I've had to get snappy with that story. But again, it is thinking about what's the universal truth in this. So for example, saying that there were bureaucratic immigration loopholes, like you don't need to go into the specifics of what happened each individual time, but that just saying a sentence like that can help people empathize with that part of it and that there is maybe they've had a struggle in terms of like leaving their job or I don't know like sorting out paperwork or things like that where they've had a a bureaucratic issue which has held them back but they can kind of see that in your story so it's thinking about in what are the individual kind of flashpoints which are the things that people are gonna empathize with and see themselves in because yeah I'm not gonna talk about I don't know weeks and weeks of like living at my parents house or you know driving really long commutes or things like that because that's not just you know it's not interesting to people they don't need to know those details they just need to know I left my job and then I moved to Wales (laughs) that's exactly it like so much of it was you know like me at a coffee shop because I was living on the couch of this apartment with three guys and sharing one bath like it was not a glamorous story <laughs> at all and like, I, I don't really want to paint that into my brand because it's probably not very on brand yeah or even using it as a what you were dreaming of in those moments of you know every time I had to go and work in a coffee shop I was dreaming of having my own space and that's what drove me to get to where I am now for example so using it as a a bridge to something else yeah that's very true and there was definitely I mean so much of the working at the coffee shop was oh my gosh I would love if every day looked like this you Mm. know like if I could be doing my work from some local cafe or yeah something like that yeah, exactly. So it's it's just looking that little bit further of like, what's the story in this? It's look, it's all stories. People, that's why people are interested in what your personal stuff because they're just interested in other humans and they're interested in stories. That's what separates us as a species is that we tell stories. So anything little things that it's kind of like, yes, the fact is I was working at a coffee shop, but then. I was daydreaming about this and it really motivated me to do that. And now I've got to this point and just build a story around the fact. And it can be like a little, the tiniest little story, but that's the thing that's going to get people in. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think that's so much of where the value comes in. I mean, the reason I do brand design is because it took me leaving the corporate world to realize all a brand is, is a story. And, mm. and if it's told in a way that is uplifting or vulnerable or impactful it it creates value in the world like I think that's the best thing we can give each other is sharing our stories yeah that's so good and you're so right it's like in the corporate world and just general world everything about branding gets so over complicated about this color and that color and it's like it's just a story (laughs) just tell the story you want to tell (laughs) well and I think it's like with branding there's so much to be found in the details. Like you could go on for ages about color theory and all of its impact mm. and its language. And But 
the problem with the corporate world is, is that's all that's focused on. And it, it's never, let's take a step back and like you were saying, you know, what's the universal truth here? What's, what's the bigger picture we're trying to communicate? It's just, you know, well, which of these are most effective and, and which will grab people? Or, and that's not what interests me. Like, it's not the fast figures kind of thing. It's the side of it that's how can we use visual elements and words to intuitively speak to people on a level that's deeper than just articulation. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about launching as well, because that was a big thing. <laughs> so I feel with launching, there's like two, diff- two different products. You've got your kind of evergreen products, which are always for sale. And then you've got your open and closed cart, which is generally things like courses where, you know, you run them for a specific period so people can't be buying them the whole time. And so actually your mentoring and things is pretty evergreen, isn't it? It's not like people can only sign up for a certain amount of time each year. So with those kind of things, they don't need as much of a launch energy because with open closed cart, you need all the energy to be really concentrated in a certain period of time because that's when people can buy it whereas with evergreen products you want a slow burn because you don't want a huge kind of fireworks of (laughs) launching and then you get booked out and overwhelmed and you've got a waiting list and it's all really (laughs) stressful and also you want to be able to maintain that amount of marketing energy that you're putting out there and so actually to to try and get a couple of clients, settle yourself into it, especially because this is something new and kind of settle yourself into it, build your own confidence up, get some testimonials in at the same time, all those kind of things and to slowly build towards it. So for things like a new offering, I don't think it needs a big razzmatazz of launching. It's more a kind of, yes, make sure that people actually know it's there. So mention it publicly a few times, (laughs) (laughs) like on Instagram and in your mailing list and all that kind of thing. But especially for something like mentoring, it's a very considered purchase. It's not like a hundred quid course where that's still considered purchase, but it's not as much as I'm going to work with someone for six months on my brand, you know? Right. So it's not going to be the case that you can send an email and you're going to get a whole load of bookings. You've got to, you've got to start the process, I think, is more what you're looking at here, is that you've got to introduce the idea and then continue to kind of model it and show what it's going to be like and continue to address those questions that people have got in their heads throughout your marketing, throughout your content, so that people can get used to the idea that this is something that they can get from you. Mm. And then I'm assuming also alongside that creating content like blog articles and the like that coincide with it in a sense that they are also focused on a similar goal, maybe at a smaller level and can showcase both expertise, Mm -hmm. but also and kind of build that trust. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something, so especially where in a sales page, you might be wanting to go a bit overboard on talking about, I don't know, giving yourself permission to do personal development, for example. That's something that is a question that people might have in their head, like, um, do I deserve this? That's something that can live in a blog post and that you can link to from the sales page as well. But you can really go into that in a blog post and, and use it and over and over again whether you keep putting it in your mailing list or you just revive it on Instagram a few months after you first post it just to keep reminding people of 
those points and then yeah equally you can talk about more kind of how-to style content or things like that that can show your expertise so with something like this which is a kind of more premium offering and where people need to work with you really closely it's about them getting to know you building that trust and that trust has to happen over time so it's not something that can be like (laughs) Ta-da! <laughs> Bye for me. It has to be a con- considered, consistent part of your marketing strategy going forward to build trust, help people get to know you, and model what the experience is going to be like. So, when you say help people get to know me, is that just through you know showing up, or is there like specific strategies or methods to? put myself out there yeah I th- it really depends on you as an individual and how you're going to show up for them as a coach slash mentor because you don't want to be I don't know showing up all kind of jolly and razzmatazzy if actually you're going to be a lot more thoughtful and intentional through the process so it's more about getting people to know that you're how they're going to feel when they work with you so for some people that might be going on to lives and talking about things and all those kind of things. For other people, it's things like blog posts, just showing how you think, because that's what people are buying into in a lot of ways as well. And it's really just getting to a place where you can show people what it'd be like to have a conversation with you, because that's what they've got to feel that they can do. You know, month after month, they've got to feel like they can be comfortable having a conversation with you. So that can be through all your different types of channels. It can be doing podcast interviews like this. It can be blog posts, getting on stories. Or if that's just not how you feel that you're going to best show up in the world, then it's doing it through your written words instead. What I'll say is that when I started coaching, I didn't have podcasts or things like that. It was all done through my blog and my Instagram that to build that feeling that people could talk to me. I gotcha. So it's not about making people be a best friend and <laughs> to show up all all jolly or or even to share your deepest darkest thoughts that like it's how it's always thinking about how you are in that relation to that other person and what that other person needs to see from you to get to a point where they can trust you so it's just how can I build trust how can I show what it's like to work with me yeah I'm providing that value over and over again mm-hmm. that makes sense and I think there are lots of platforms to do that. I mean, I've been, I, I struggle with Instagram because I'm not good at like consistently posting and I love the written side of it, which might say something about me, <laughs> but like I get very frustrated if like the visuals aren't aesthetically lining up. So I'm trying to get better at showing up there consistently, but I have been working on doing lives just to make it more personable and and build that sense of knowing me mm-hmm. but something I I think I'd like to do more of is being able to show up in a capacity where I can speak so maybe oh and I'm sorry I said lives I meant stories okay <laughs> um, sorry because what I'm going to say is maybe moving more into doing lives where there can be kind of that reciprocation of mm. people being able to ask questions and that sort of thing mm-hmm yeah, I think that'd be really... I mean, some people, the idea of doing a live feels horrendous. Um, personally, I much prefer doing a live. I really... It's, I feel a lot more in control, actually, which I know some people, it feels like a massive loss of control, but it's just... It feels like a really good place for me. So have you done one before? I did, I did 
one of my first ones, actually, a few weeks ago, I was celebrating like the one year anniversary of my business. And it was so rewarding because people were so kind and genuinely had really engaging questions that I was excited to talk about. And I was very concerned that it was going to be just me (laughs) (laughs) kind of rambling on about things that weren't really helpful. And I worry with Instagram too, because I mean, the stories themselves are what a 15 second cap. And even though sometimes if there's four in a row, it's only a minute, but you, you get the impression Mm -hmm. that it's longer and you kind of swipe past. So I was worried people wouldn't want to sit through a live. Um, but they did. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny, isn't it? I always think that with lives. It's, you can go two ways with them. Again, depending on how you feel about them, you can either just like show up <laughs> and just deal with it while it's there. Or I tend to kind of advertise them a few days beforehand, just say, I'm going live at this time on this day so that people know to turn up. But I always have like... Uh, <laughs> some notes of some questions that I've just made up to <laughs> before people kind of get warmed up into actually asking anything. But yeah, it's I always get way more watches of the replay than I do of people actually there live. And I've also started adding them to IGTV. It doesn't always work. It's so glitchy, IGTV. But when I can, I also add them there so that people can, can continue to watch them after the 24 hours is up. And do you find, like, do you find that people are, and I don't know if there's even a way to track this, but actually sitting through the live and the replay, or is it, like, does it count as a viewer if someone just clicks on it, or? I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not sure either, because that was something I wondered afterwards. I was like, oh, people are watching it, and then I was like, is this a false sense of security? (laughs) Well, you definitely get the number, that when you are live and you see the number in the top, that is a live counter of the people who are there. So as people drop out, their number goes up. As they drop back in, it goes back in again. So yeah, I'm not sure on those stats, to be honest. Just take it as a as a win. Yeah. <laughs> if in doubt. <laughs> I love that. That's my point. And yeah, and I, I think I just, I do, even though I have that once, I do before going into it, still get that sense of like, is this, are people going to want to sit through this? And is this really mm. going to add value? But it's nice to hear that that's been a very successful platform for you. And well, I think the minute it stops not feeling like that is the minute to stop because all that is is adrenaline and your intuition telling you that this is something that means something to you. And so those nerves, if you don't have nerves, that's when you've got to start worrying because it means mm. it's not kind of important anymore. It's not driving you anymore. So just to use those as saying oh this means this is important this means this is good this means this is the right thing and using it to elevate the way that you show up for people on that video oh my gosh I absolutely love the idea of of nerves being a positive thing (laughs) (laughs) that's such a great spin on it I'm always so like oh my gosh is this my fear trying to tell me something's wrong and it's not like most of the time it's exactly that it's this matters to me yeah yeah if it didn't matter you wouldn't be nervous so yeah embrace the nerves nerves are a good thing and as they always say you know uh what is it fear is excitement without the breath so just that is my favorite quote oh my gosh I like that's become a personal mantra of mine like I say it all the time and then I take a deep breath and I'm like oh my gosh I feel so much better I didn't realize I wasn't breathing (laughs) so yeah just all those little things to get you through it but 
no that sounds good so i think that um in terms of like launching in inverted commas it's really kind of saying to your existing audience on kind of your newsletter list and elsewhere on your on instagram things like that it's saying this is here now it's an option for you you're going to hear more about this but not kind of bully people into booking a really expensive service right out and that just to kind of announce that it's here but then the real work happens in the content you're going to be creating over the next couple of months because you start with the announcement and that's where you start to build this new kind of trust with people and they have to relearn their image of you as well that's something that I definitely had when I started out was that I kind of announced out of the blue that here I am now offering coaching services and people had to relearn their what they thought of me as and that that takes time for people to do so just to start somewhere but the start is kind of meaningless it's everything that happens after that 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 builds into making it that makes a lot of sense and that's definitely I mean that's something I know your course was exceptional for is, is learning to focus past just creating the thing and sending it off into the world, but then actually regularly, you know, showing up and mentioning that it exists. Yeah. <laughs> Which we all hate to do. <laughs> oh, it's so, I find it so hard. Like I love the planning stages. I love figuring out, okay, like who is this for and how is this going to help them and what are we going to do together? But then actually being like, here it is terrifies me Mm. and what I think as well um as much as I'm kind of loath to say to look at other people too much because that can open a whole other can of worms but I've started really tuning into when other people mention what they're doing and what they have to offer and like I don't mind at all (laughs) it feels so natural for them to be talking about it um and I think I've definitely got to a place where I've overthought it and been like how can I wrap this up in loads and loads of value whereas actually that's kind of unnecessary just to say here's a thing you're you you're probably gonna really like <laughs> is is enough <laughs> which which speaks to your desire to be a value which is a it yeah. comes from a good place <laughs> exactly it's just too good of a place <laughs> and it might even be a little bit of accidental on purpose self-sabotage <laughs> um, so that's the thing to do is to kind of any time that you see somebody else selling their thing just to be like well I'm not disgusted right now so maybe people aren't going to be feeling that about me and it's okay just to say it as it is well these are all the quotes now about you know all the thoughts you have about worrying about what they in quotations will think are completely inaccurate because no one's thinking about you and <laughs> Not in a cruel way, but in a in a liberating way. Like mm-hmm. you are not what other people are concerned about because they're all busy having their own, you know, possibly self sabotaging yeah. thoughts about themselves. Exactly, and they're only looking at you to see what's in it for them. So by saying, "Oh, I've got this new offering," or "I'm doing a live," or "I'm doing a free workshop," or whatever it is, it's like, "Oh, good, there's something in that for me," rather than, "Oh, look at this woman talking about herself again." <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so true it's so it's so funny when you voice it like the anxiety it's so not founded on anything real and you know it yeah but it's so real so real yeah Yeah, it feels so real and that's it's 
gathering together a toolbox of experiences that you can use that when you are having those feelings that you can pull out one of those experiences from the box and be like well that wasn't true in this case and it wasn't true in that case it wasn't true in this case either so maybe it's just not true (laughs) maybe (laughs) I've made this up again (laughs) but well I could literally talk to you all afternoon but we are going to have to wrap up before this becomes the longest episode ever so the last question which is the question I ask everybody is how do you grow a soul in your work and life I think that for me in its simplest form is just bringing everything back to my intuition which I like to describe as the voice that speaks without words and so if you can hold every step you take whether that be in your business or in your morning up to how does this feel in myself and in my body and is it moving me towards the life that I want, then everything that flows from there will be genuine and authentic to you. And I think that something I've also been working on is letting that resonate both on an intuitive level and on a level with my inner child and coming back to a place of play and wonder through which I experience the world. Beautiful. So, Emmeline, where can people come and find and connect with you online and what do you have coming up? My website is emmelinebramble.com and that's also my Instagram and Pinterest handles are just emmelinebramble, all one word. And then coming up, I have two variations of mentorship programs, both a four to six month one and 90 minute sessions, which I will hopefully thanks to you be actually talking about more <laughs> well what I was gonna say well done for saying it out loud <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Emily thank you for having me Before we end, I just wanted to say a huge, huge thank you to every one of you who nominated Grow a Soul in the Blogosphere Awards. I'm so humbled that this little podcast has been shortlisted as one of the podcasts of the year. If you'd like to vote for the winners in all the categories, you could do so on the Blogosphere website, which I will link to in the show notes. And thank you so, so much again. All the links we mentioned will be on my website, which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Emmeline on Instagram. I'm at simpleandseason and she's at Emmeline Bramble. As always, if you think you have a friend who would really benefit from listening to this conversation, please do send them the link and please do share where you're listening online too. I always love to see them. So tag me in your stories. And until next time, I hope you grow a soul.